0: Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. I want to, first of all, give thanks to God for his unspeakable gift in Jesus Christ. Uh, Without Jesus, uh, there is no life. And every day bears witness to that very poignant truth. Jesus is life. He was manifest in the flesh in order to redeem us back to God. He is our redeemer. He is the one who frees us from sin. That is, he, he looses or he unloosed us from sin. If you read Revelation chapter 1, you will read some very important information about one of the great, Realities of our salvation And our salvation is great uh, It is Our so great salvation And so we are indeed thankful uh, To God for Jesus And so with that let us have a word of prayer And then we'll begin our study For the evening. Father we do thank you once again For our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Who died on our Roman gibbet 33 AD For our sins not his sin, Lord, because we know that your, your Jesus, our Jesus, is impeccable. He is without sin. He is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And so, Lord, we do thank you for his shed blood. And his Lord, through believing that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and rose again the third day, that we might receive salvation. Amen. So uh, tonight's message uh, is entitled The Societal and Cultural Necessity of Godly Husbands and Godly Fathers Not just husbands and fathers But the societal and cultural necessity Of godly husbands and godly fathers uh, Godly husbands and fathers are necessary for wives, not just girlfriends, but for wives and their children to thrive. Now, there is a great deal of information out there if you want to do the research about this truth. This is real. And so uh, over the years, these people have studied the family the family unit i'm going to, i'm not going to use the term nuclear family but i'm going to say the family unit and how pivotal it is for society now genesis, the first 11 chapters of genesis are foundational to the word of god if we do not have the first 11 chapters of Genesis, then if we begin with chapter 12 and call of Abraham, then we would not have a substantive understanding of what God is doing. And so, therefore, the entire Bible, the 66 books that compose the Bible, has been termed significant history. If you were to read very carefully some of the cities that were conquered under General Joshua, you would read about highly literate, highly advanced cultures. You will not read about uh, cultures that began with preliterate grunts or... Uh, just merely cave paintings. Truly, there is some uh, reality to that, but overall, these were magnificent cultures. And when we study about uh, the uh, Canaan, uh, which is in Western Asia, the Near East, uh, we, you will read about highly advanced peoples, whom God sent his people in to conquer. They were highly advanced and they were uh, highly corrupt too. So God judged the city-states of Western Asia and he sent his people in uh, through Joshua and uh, he was, He wielded the sword of judgment against these people. Now, uh, in the first part of the book of Genesis, particularly chapter three, we read about the first historic home invasion by the enemy. God created the home. The home is composed of the man and his wife. The home is composed of the man and his wife. The children are the fruit of that relationship. Now, in ancient pictographs, the seed or the offspring of the husband and his wife uh, are remarkable because In ancient pictographs, uh, the offspring is pictured as what? As a sperm cell, the seed of the man. And so it is this unit that the enemy attacked with adroit lies, with manipulative lies. He sought to not merely undermine, but to destroy what God had created. Now, in Genesis 2, God spoke directly to the Adam and told him to guard his home, to be a sentry for his home. This was Bible teaching. This was Bible instruction. That God gave directly To the man He is to guard his Home And so God Forewarned the Adam About an attack That the enemy had already Planned and So in Genesis 3 We see That the enemy moved in With his plan and you know What took place. You know what happened. You know about uh, you know you have read it the lie that the enemy uttered. And so Paul wrote that the woman was thoroughly deceived. And in the Bible in the Greek New Testament the word is planeo. From which we get our word planet It means To lead astray To lead out of one's orbit She was thoroughly deceived And so While she was deceived The husband Took of the fruit of the tree Of his own volition His volition His will was not manipulated And deceived He took of the fruit He knew that God had forbidden him to not touch, but to eat. The garden event, the Genesis event is about obedience. Obedience is primary. The book of Deuteronomy, the the title of the book of Deuteronomy, it is the second giving of the law is love and obedience. If, We love God, then we will obey him. There is no, no one can say, well, I love God without without following him in obedience. That split does not happen in the word. There is an organic unity, an organic wholeness between what? Love. And obedience. So what we have in Genesis 3 is a split in the home. A split occurs. The woman did not uh, listen, uh, listen to God. She listened to the enemy. And so she took of the fruit and ate it. Husband took out the fruit and ate it. And then we read their eyes were open. What does that language mean? Eyes were open. Now this is what the Bible says. So verse two of Genesis 3 The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit, eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So there she adds to the word. Verse 4, you will not surely die. So here's the theology of the enemy, where God, uh, God gives absolute. And the enemy undermines the absolutes of God with his lie. Okay? This is the beginning of what we call eisegesis. It is a reading into the text, something that is not there. He lied. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Now, remember how he appears he is the shining one and so her husband was a beautiful creature himself from the hand of god and so what does he do so the shining of uh, there is fellowship with god there's bible study with god there's her husband all their needs are met then the enemy comes along with his with his Aberrant language It is abhorrent language It is manipulative language And so It is a language Of the spirit being That In which something is wrong With the spirit being You will not surely die The serpent said to the woman and notice his address always to the wife. For God knows, and then he goes on. The, the enemy goes on with his word. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice the liberation that he takes with speaking about God. Now. The enemy is not an atheist. He does not believe in atheism. The enemy knows that God, uh, he he knows God. But look at this, this aberrant theology out of the creature's heart. So the enemy is speaking from his heart. And the corruption that is in his heart. So, for God knows when you eat, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, knowing Tob and Ra. Tob is a word in Hebrew, and means full of pleasure. Ra is a word that is frequent in the Old Testament, and it means that which is full of pain. So, Tob and Ra. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eye. Remember, the the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but is of this world. She took and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. And they, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So here's a symbol, and their disobedience, a symbol of human incompleteness. But when the mind has been deceived by sin, the mind believes that here is completeness. This is the beginning of humanism. The belief, the religion, that what the human mind can conceives and what the human mind does uh, represents completeness. This is not the truth of God. Then the eyes of them were, uh, both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. So now, yes, yeah, once again. This is human incompleteness. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, can one hide from God? No. God created the garden for them. God knew every leaf. God knew Every vine, God knew every plant that He had made. Now, these were super plants. These plants did not have any uh, chemical poisons. These plants uh, did not have any thorns. These plants had didn't have any por- anything that would be poisonous to uh, the man and his wife. This was their food. So these were super plants that were given by God to maintain their super body. Their bodies were not genetically compromised in any manner. Their bodies did not have any intrinsic uh, propensity for sickness or illness or disease or death or ruin. That did not exist in their bodies. Please understand that That the environment Was a super environment Directly from the hand of God Perfect So They hid from God Among the trees of the garden So the enemy comes In Genesis 3.1 And God appears In Genesis uh, 3.8 And they hide from God. They didn't hide from the Shining One, but they hid from God. So what is the difference? So the Shining One appears in His magnificence, speaks of them. But the Shining One is unholy. The Shining One is sinful. God comes in the cool of the day. And they hid from him. Why? Because of his holiness, his holy presence. Their eyes were open, and yet their eyes hid. They, want, they, they, wanted, they hid themselves from the presence of the glory of God. But the Lord, verse nine, called to the man. Now God calls to calls out to the head of the home. God did not call out to the wife, God called out to the head of the home. But the Lord God called to the man, in the Hebrew it reads to the Adam, Where are you? The answer He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He answered, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten? Second question. Have you eaten from the tree that I, that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, notice, notice all the pronouns. In verse 10, from the Adam, notice all the pronouns. I heard. I was afraid. I was naked. I hid. So, here's the beginning of human misery, the I-centered life, the ego-centered self-understanding. And so... By answering that question with all those pronouns, the man has already told God who he is and where he is. So, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me. So, God sees what has happened to the mind of Adam, he blames God for what he has done and the tragedy that he has unleashed in his home. He attempted to hide from God physically, confronted by God directly. You remember in the book of John when Jesus spoke to the man of who had been in in his infirm condition 38 years. And Jesus said to him directly, do you want to be healed? And the man said, well, there's no one to come and take me down to the uh, pool when the water is troubled. And Jesus asked a simple, direct question. Do you want to be healed? He did not ask for an excuse, but here, and you see how this is intrinsic to the race. The woman you put here with me, so he blames God. She gave me some of the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Then God, so notice, God uh, goes to the Adam, then to the woman, and then to Satan. The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now notice, after uh, they, they give excuses, and then both say, and I ate it, and I ate it. And then there have, uh, next God goes to the serpent and says, because the serpent is never asked. the uh, Addresses the serpent with judgment. God says, because you have done this. Because you have done this. Because you have done this. See, there are consequences to sin. The wages of sin, death, and the gift of God is eternal life. But Look at, this, look at the ruin That this one has done God said To the Adam Dying thou shalt die he never said that if you disobey me Then There's going to occur in your life The fall of man God never said that God doesn't use the language In Genesis 3 There's no word in Hebrew That, that talks about the fall of man The Bible says Dying thou shall die The Hebrew word is mut Mut M-U-T Die That's the text Jesus did not come To give his life For a fallen Creature Jesus came and gave his life According to Ephesians chapter 2 For those who were dead. Notice, we're dead. The Greek word is ontos, and it's from which we get our word ontology, which is the study of being or existence. It means a state of being, death. Because you have done this, verse 14, God is speaking to the serpent, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals you will crawl on your belly belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and i will put enmity enmity between you and the woman jeremiah 31:22 between your offspring and hers listen to the language genesis 3 contains the unfolding plan of redemption And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Well, what is the offspring of the enemy? What is God talking about? He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Romans sixteen twenty. Here, God is talking about what? the incarnation, the coming of Jesus. He will crush your head. In Romans 16, 20, uh, Paul writes that God is going to crush the head of the serpent, or crush the head of Satan. Uh, You need to read that. And please read Romans 16, uh, verses 17 and 18. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains and childbearing." With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will run over you. He will rule over you. Now, I just heard some false doctrine recently that said that this was not biblical. And I go back to the Bible text. When you read it in Hebrew, when you read it in English, you can go to several translations, and the language means exactly that. There's always this attempt to rescue the truth from itself. But why? It is the truth that sets us free. Jesus is the truth, and only the truth will set us free. You see what the theology of humanism did? It is always attempting to find a completeness within itself, and it cannot because it is finite, and it is based on the finite reasoning of of sinful man. It is a lie to think that humanism is complete. He will crush your head. To whom is God speaking? He is speaking directly to the serpent, to the dragon. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, a long, long, long time ago, I gave a message on this uh, this portion of the word of God, and a oh, man got real upset with me because there's a, this word desire in Hebrew. Uh, there's a letter that means, a part of it means to run after. And this man said to me, that he said, my daughter will never do that. To a man. Now, people can get very upset at, at really interesting parts of the Word of God. I've come to understand that over the years, and uh, you know, but the truth stands unapologetically. The truth stands. So he was offended that I taught this portion of the Word. And verse 17, and to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife. it is the sin. So God directly addresses the leader of the home. Because you listened to your wife. Ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. And so God goes back to the Adam. And God addresses him, says, because you listen to your wife. God is never going to be second. God said, my glory will I not give to another. And just think of that in concrete terms. Don't think of it, uh, for instance, like, well, I witnessed to this guy who was this this atheist, and I told him certain things about the Bible. So it, it doesn't matter at that point. But think about, think about this very concrete reality, this man's home. Look what, look what not listening to God has cost him. Look what not listening to God has cost this man's life. And later on, we're going to read uh, what not following God will cost this man's children. The first murder will happen in this man's family because he disobeyed God. Society and culture need godly husbands. Well, I'm not gonna be popular, but I'm not gonna be appreciated. Well, there are temporal repercussions. But in the long run, you follow God, God's gonna bless you. When you build your house up on the solid rock that is Jesus, when the problems of life come, God's going God's to gonna let your house stand because it was founded upon the rock. But be the man. Play the man. Be the man. Listen to God. Listen, if you, as a man, as a godly husband, you listen to God, yeah, you, you're going to, there will be some, some repercussions. But God is able to change your wife's heart in your direction. If you trust him, if you believe him, if you let God rule over your life, then God's going to do some marvelous things for your family, through you and through your wife if you listen to God, if you believe him, and if you trust in him. Part of a speech the other day from a young woman who said that she was the product of rape. She was raised by a single mom. She's a believer now. She said that God's best for me would be for me, to have been raised by a father and mother. She said this. But that is not what happened. That's not how she got here. But she is thankful to God now that she knows him. So she wants God to rule over her life because she sees the consequences of what what has had going on in her life and the people around her who don't have thought. There is no way living in this place that I would want to do it without a solid reassurance of God in my life. There is no way. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. You must not Notice the absolute that God has placed on the man. You listened. Take second place. He never will. He doesn't have to. He's God Almighty. You read in the word about Moses and the call of Moses. Did you have you ever read the call narrative of Moses? And how Moses was not going to obey God and what God was going to do to him? He was to do what? He was to circumcise his son. Then his wife stepped up, stepped in and circumcised her son. She tossed a foreskin at her husband Because God was going to back down From his demand On Moses when you read the call narrative In the Old Testament of the prophets uh, Oh Lord I, I'm too young I, I'm just a child God does not back down from his call narrative He doesn't, narratives, he doesn't uh, Have to He does not back down he does not change his mind. God is not fickle If God has called you to be a husband and a father, then that's your first vocation. Well, God, I don't know how to do this. I know that you know what I need to be and how I need to be, and I need you to teach me. So you need the humility to set, under the word of God and let the word lead you and you need to have the truth in your heart. You need to have God direct your life and all thy ways acknowledge him. He will give you the desires of your heart. Please read Psalm 119. Uh, uh, when you get a moment after you listen to this broadcast, read Psalm 119. It is in its entirety. God loved David with all of his heart. But then David said, and God told David to the prophet, the sword will never depart from your house. And God loved David. And David's selfish action set off a course of events that were terrible for his own home. Listen, you have temptation in the flesh with regard to a woman or pornography or some kind of secret sin that you're holding on to or some secret desire or you you try to live a schizophrenic uh, life as a believer, that's all self-lies. This is going to come to naught. You're going to find your life unfruitful. You're not going to get anywhere in life because you're playing games with yourself. When you follow God for real, when you crucify the flesh with its affections and lust, you're going to find that you're going to have a real life, a life that is satisfying. You're not want a stupid life, like these people on TikTok and people on these other platforms, you know, with all the silly uh, uh, attention they get, and that's it. Now There's nothing else going on. Man, it's, it's frightening. It's just frighteningly superficial. You want a real life? You need to come to Jesus. You want to be a real man? Come to Jesus. And I've heard people talk about online all the people they sleep with. And you know the language they use? When I was a a boy, I I, I listened to the uh, stories about the Vietnam War, and they would talk about body count, body count, body count. You know the language that people use today for the people they sleep around with, all these profligate people? They use the same term, body count. How many people you sleep with by account? Isn't that horrific? Dealing with all these people sexually and you keep giving away parts of yourself until there's nothing left. My Bible says that when you sleep with a harlot, then your soul is one with her. I, I, live, I live part of my life in San Francisco. I heard horrific stories about gay bars and how these people just sleep with one another. You're talking about the worst kind of profligacy and corruption. And the medical records and the stuff these people have, to have done to them to, to reconfigure and reconstruct certain parts of their body, you would be horrified if you got to read some of those records. You'd be horrified. And guess who else sees those records? And guess who else knows what's going on? And guess who else knows what these people do? God does. A godly husband, a man, will be the leader. And he will lead as unto the Lord. And he will do those things that God has called him to do. Because he has surrendered his will, and he wants only the will of God. If this society and culture is to survive, it will only do so because of godly husbands. But if we have reached an apex and this culture is not going to be saved, it's going to crash. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the godly cease. The godly are gone. The godly are are are, are gone and, and no one takes notice because they don't know how to take notice. And I've heard some horrific lies about the Word of God. One guy with all his flaming makeup and all his jewelry in his face uh, said something horrible about the person of Jesus. And it was amazing. He tried to corrupt the term son of God. He tried to corrupt the person of Jesus. Look, I've read some terrible things uh, in the, in, West, in the Western theology about the, about the the person of Jesus. One of the first ones was a book called Bitey Jesus, or Life of Jesus. And uh, I'm not going to tell you about this person's background who wrote this book, but it was terrible. And then when I heard this person, well this demonic individual say what he said, it took my mind back to that book I had read so long ago. Look, this stuff stuff is just one long line that God is going to end. Men, stop seeking to find wholeness in the arms of a woman, a female who cannot be true to you because the culture has lied to her and her mind has been brainwashed to believe things about herself that are not true. Don't trust in such people because you're going to be betrayed. I'm warning you, trust God first. Let God lead you. And if you don't trust God and you go headlong in your selfishness, uh, you're going to find yourself in ruin. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Wait for God to bring you a man. Stop. Turn them old boys into something they can't be. Boy, a boy can never be a real man. Good evening, and God bless you.